so there I am, <laughs> mopping up the hall, <laughs> cleaning the beer spots while Max is laying on a cold metal table with uh, the arm and the crickets chirping in the... Oh, I'm sorry, that's a Next Generation episode. Um. <laughs> no, I am, I am I'm, I'm hooked up to saline and insulin bags and bleeding all over the place. Uh, I had a really great moment while I was... I, I You know, okay, so... It's just... I'm going to just go right into it. It might be a little TMI. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. But I'm sitting there. After I get the text from Albert telling me he fucked up the end of the show. <laughs> and uh, the lady comes in, and without anesthetic, it's a very attractive female doctor. <laughs> and my wiener's out. <laughs> and I've got this giant fucking just golf ball no like fucking softball size <laughs> abscess on, on my hip and she hovers over me and she cuts into me and it splatters into her face oh my god and I go oh my god I'm so sorry and she begins to laugh <laughs> and she goes it's alright that's my fault <laughs> um that was but anyway I'm sitting yeah so that's a surreal moment sitting there texting with ACH while somebody cuts me open uh, and I splatter a really hot chick with my fucking infection it's like a goddamn it's like a goddamn death metal oh. album cover oh my god uh, not appropriate for the COVID air no no not at all well, hey, you know. she should have been wearing her mask that's actually what she said yeah not yeah. appropriate for the COVID air no oh she said I should have been wearing my mask oh okay <laughs> yeah I thought she was clearvescent no clearvescent <laughs> Man. Thank you. What are you, Thomas Munoz? <laughs> Just do the shit you know, man. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We've we've gone off the rails already, but uh, welcome to another exciting <laughs> episode of Inspire AD. You, uh... <laughs> All right. Serenity <laughs> now. Anyway. Yes. Uh, my name is Max Meehan. One of the owners of Inspire Pro, and, and across from me is... I am Biss. Yes. You're clearvescent, clairvoyant. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, I think we have to laugh about it, because this is one of those shows that actually almost broke us. And I mean, literally, was almost... This almost, ended, ended. This almost ended Inspire Pro. Yeah. This is the, this is Very the show... Easily. Yeah. This could have destroyed the company. Um, and you know whose fault it was? Who's, it was our fault. It really it was. was our fault. Yeah. Like we can sit there and point fingers and stuff, but you know what? Sometimes you have to put your foot down. Yeah. And we didn't. And yeah. but you know what? There was a measure of deception involved here. I think too. Yeah. Um, I've always been a fan of the Clash at the Bash event name because it's stupid. It's such a dumb name, but it is so fun. I love the concept of pillars and palm trees. But this particular event has always been cursed. I think the first one was not super well attended. Yeah, the, the first one was a Spurs and a NBA Finals. Yeah. That, that it was a very pivotal game. Yeah. Maybe the game. Now, similarly, and there's no way we could have known this when we planned it at the time, this event fell uh, on... The premiere of Game of Thrones, the season <laughs> premiere of a Game, Game of Thrones season, and uh, I believe it was. Uh, what, what? Yeah, we we're back in the NBA Finals again. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> so, got killed by basketball and Game of Thrones. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this was very underattended, though it was a stellar card. Um, and I believe at this point we had let Brandon Stroud talk us into booking a number of talent and we were very yeah. much under the impression that he was going to be handling a lot of the plane tickets like he said no the agreement was hey bring these guys in and i'll cover i'll cover the flights um i'm gonna count them up here it's one two three four five six six flights for this show yeah which all of which were stroud ideas yeah in a in one way or another um and I think because it was so many, I said, well, I'll cover this one and this one. I think I ended up, I, I think I covered Craven for this. Yeah. Because that was a Canadian flight. And I said, well, okay, that's going to be a big ticket item. 
So I'll cover that. And then he was covering some of the other ones. So what we'll get get to what was what this there was also a we had a massive argument you and I leading up to on this, this one yeah I, I don't remember it um, but well it wasn't anything personal yeah um, it was just there was a point where you wanted to basically ash can the card and start over over even after the graphics had been drawn up and I believe we were only a, a matter of weeks out. And uh, I basically said, no, we're going to honor our commitment yeah. to the people that we have booked, and we're going to deliver the card that we have promised our fans who have paid for tickets for this event. And uh, yeah, we were, we were going to not bring in some fly-ins, Yeah, right? we were going to cancel so we were close. stuff last, last uh, minute. But who the fuck taught you to do business that way? Basically, what, what, walls. what happened, though, was Stroud did not hold up his end of the agreement by yeah. paying for uh, the tickets that he said he would. Yeah. And so we wound up having to basically deplete all of our our resources. Yeah, there was there was two flights that were not covered. This almost killed the company because I was dead set on honoring our commitment to the talent that we booked because in, in the time that they thought that they were going to be doing this gig, they could have been lining up other work. And so yeah. I was not willing to fuck anybody over on the talent end but also I didn't want to fuck over the fans who were looking forward to this card and who had paid for the tickets. I had a very staunch belief that if we could avoid uh, not delivering what we had been promising then we should. So there were just a lot of uh, ethical issues I had which forced us to basically just liquidate and deplete our total uh finances like we yeah. we we went we went way out of bounds on this and we uh anything we had saved up was gone yeah the, um so at this point we're we're grinding pretty hard at this point um 2014 we have um you know we've been running pretty regularly this is 2015 and we're we're running there's not a lot of months off right yeah. we're going hard so there were quite a few shows where it was like okay I'm going to fucking get a jar of peanut butter and a jar of jelly and it's peanut butter and jelly sandwiches until we fucking, I get paid again. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and this was one where my bank account was zero after this show. Right. But the, the issue was, um, six flights and you know, we, we'd split up. I think we were going to cover Craven and maybe one other flight. And then Stroud was covering everything else. Well, that was at least the agreement. Um, so we talked about on the last show, Dan Housen and Angelus were going to start driving down from Michigan. Yeah. That drive was just not not going to happen. Um, so I think they had made it to Chicago, but they had to get from Chicago down here. And Stroud chose not to buy that flight. Yeah. And then... I, I also I also want to say that... Um, and I love I love Angelus. Yeah. But I got to say it. I yeah. think Stroud's preferential treatment toward her in terms of flying her in also set a really... Uh, That's right. Unfeasible precedent where she thought that she needed to be flown in for shows yeah. and that she expected that treatment. And it, it just... It wasn't possible for us, you know? Yeah. I mean, very clearly, Stroud had ul- ulterior motives for bringing her in. Yeah. Um but that that'll that's a story for another episode. Yeah. So so this is I mean it's almost like a week out from the show. Yeah. This yeah. was this was where I had my crisis moment. Yeah. Where I was I, I was in panic. And he was like, "Oh, have you picked up their tickets yet?" I'm like, "Why the fuck would I pick up their tickets?" No, it wasn't even him. Angelus was like, "Hey, Stroud hasn't gotten us our flight information yet." Yeah. And uh, I was like, hey, man, um, can you send this over? Oh, no, I can't afford those. Well, what the fuck makes you think I magically on the line? So they were they had gotten to Chicago. I think they did a show in Chicago. I couldn't get them flights to Austin. Yeah. So I had to fly them into Dallas and out of Dallas the day after. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I can have people pick them up from Dallas. Yeah. I just need to have somebody that can drive them back, right, the next day. Or that they can stay with in Dallas and then X, Y, Z. We'll get to that later. (laughs) So, yeah, this show damn near bankrupts us. Um, 
and I'm fully ready for this to just this is just going to be it like we're we're not going to be able to survive this so that's sort of the mindset we go into it with <laughs> yeah this is you know? our, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah so and this I mean Max is going through the changes of the the medical issues that we talked about last show so yeah I'm on meds here I feel like <laughs> shit yeah uh, because I'm going yeah through major adjustments. This is also the first show I've ever done sober, so I I mean I was I was edgy from that, but also just my body is a mess. Yeah, I have you know I mean I think I I relate to a lot of wrestlers, even though I've never laced up a pair of boots. That's gonna but, be your T-shirt, man. Yeah, for wrestling tees coming never, soon. Never laced up a pair of boots. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I mean, I've been, as, as, a, as a security guy, a door guy, I've had all kinds of altercations that have resulted in injuries that run deep. I've had my ankles broken. I've busted my knees. I've, I have collarbone issues. I have shoulder issues. And so one of the reasons why I drank a lot of the time was to not feel things physically. And so this is one of those shows where, you know... I'm like, hey man, cue the African dudes carrying the coffin and dancing around. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that's what that's. I'm just like, this is this is our death knell, and I'm in pain, and I'm just yeah. like, I'm ready to go home. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was a weird show. Um, yeah, there's a lot. I'm looking at this card. I'm like, there's a lot of shit that happened that night. Yeah. Um, anyway, going into it, the first match was one that uh, Josh Montgomery was really impressed by. Uh, Danhausen and Vega really delivered here in the yeah. opening. Uh, Donovan, we were really high on, and Donovan has gone on to do extraordinary stuff. Um, it, it, he gets he gets put in that category of meme wrestler, right? Yeah, like he hit something very creative that uh, has connected with a lot of people. But man, Donovan's been able to work since like day one. So yeah. get out of here with that fucking that bullshit. Yeah. A lot of those, a lot of those quote unquote meme wrestlers like um, Dan the Dad, yeah, uh, Danny Adams, that dude was a, a you know solid hand on Midwest shows for a long time before fucking Ethan Page saddled up with that in San Antonio, Texas, ladies and gentlemen. You know, like yeah. um, so I kind of I I hate when there's certain people that all that they are is whatever their little pop culture gimmick is yeah but those two are ones that stick out that kind of annoy me when they get a rash of shit uh, uh, Donovan is also a guy that has such an a, an ardent love for genre culture and metal and punk he he's a smart guy there there's sometimes you, you meet you meet wrestlers who are just kind of like these beef heads my type of guys right yeah, yeah your type of guys um, Donovan <laughs> is a guy who is very, very culturally ra- well rounded and so I think it was just a matter of time before he got really comfortable in, in in his skin to bring a character to life he already had the goods to back it up yeah. and I think yeah he has this thing that's kind of caught fire but he can back it up yeah. it's, he's not just that yeah. so he had this great match with Davey, Davey Vega who is a phenomenal wrestler yeah um, uh, just one of my favorite people to know. Um, he's a great guy, and I know. I know. Uh, I remember when we did this. Josh Montgomery was like uh, when he was like the uh, third owner, whom you know, who's not sitting at this table with us, though we love him, and we haven't really talked about him a lot uh, throughout the course of the show because he was just kind of quiet. Yeah, he's oh. just he's not potty trained. He can't sit at the table, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, but he. No, anyway, Josh was very like I don't see it, but when he <laughs> saw this match afterward, he was like. He, I remember his eyes just being wide and, and him going, wow. So this was a great hot opener. And even though this show had like a lot of drama behind it, there was a lot of fun stuff in this on yeah. this show. I, I think, too, some of it, some of the, the kickback of, hey, let's make this kid a star tonight, which I would never guess that that comment would have gotten as much drama as it did. Yeah. I think he kind of took the side of some of that drama, right? Yeah. So this was kind of like, oh, man, there is something there. Yeah. So we, we go from that into the Hollywood Strangler, Great Depression, and the Red Scare taking on the Orphans, the Taylor Brothers, and Sky DeLacrimosa. Yeah. So this is after this is after they have uh, the Depression's been liberated from the Orphans. Yes, by by Scare and Strangler. The, yeah. Yeah. And oh, what's the name of the girl? The black Black Dolly. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yep. I forgot about her. Yeah. So she was kind of the manager here too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she, she was great in that role, but yeah. it was not to be for long. It's not available. Yeah. Um, but uh, the and the funny the fun thing here is again we've already kind of pulled the veil back. Uh, the Red Scare was Steve Arino, and of course the Hollywood Strangler was uh, uh, Bradley, <laughs> Bradley Axel Dawson. Yeah. So bad. Bad. Um, yeah. So basically, this is the Hollywood Knives flanking the Great Depression. It was it was uh, you know a, a, a reunion under hoods of sorts. <laughs> But it's fun. It's fun. it was fun to watch them wrestle under hoods as completely yeah. different characters, um, and of course we were kind of worked toward an angle where there was a big a big turn and they revealed who they really were. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's you yeah, know not to be. Yeah. So at the end of this match, this is also where um, Nigel Rabbit uh, adopts two thirds of the orphans. Right, he adopts the Taylor boys, uh, but not Sky. So. Oh yeah. So this was my. <laughs> okay, so the Taylor boys, if you've never seen them, are two um, black boys, let's just say, yeah. and Nigel is a very cultured white man, and at this point, the faction of different strokes was born. Yes. And in fact, I believe we have them come out to different strokes, the theme song from the sitcom, a few yeah. times until people said, bro, you can't do yeah. that. But I thought it was fucking great, yeah. and I don't think it was racist. I thought it was a parallel, yeah. But. Yeah. So at this point, it, it's uh, Eric Ortiz is not able to come up from um, Mexico as much as we thought that no. we would be able to. So now it's it's Shire and the Taylor Boys at this point. Yeah, but the story here is that Nigel actually shows up at the start of this match and adopts Zach <laughs> in DG. Yeah. But he doesn't want Scott. No. <laughs> so who, Scott. Who would? Who would? Yeah, Scott. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna adopt the two brothers, but you know, you can yeah. go kick rocks. Yeah. And Sky is left to wrestle this match uh, on his own, I believe. I thought this was a handicap. It may turn into it. It turns it's into toward, a handicap. It's, yeah. Yeah. So that was that and was he, the angle. Yeah, where he like, gets he gets murdered. So basically, Zach and DG come back uh, in nice clothes, sweaters and shit. <laughs> They basically yeah. they basically turn into uh, Mr. Drummond's uh, children, yeah. and uh, Sky is angrily left out of the mix and turns into just this hateful rogue uh, who goes after his former orphan buddies. Ma- At this point, the stable just was not working out like I envisioned. Yeah. Jeff Gant had fucked us. Uh, a lot of the guys that I wanted to include were like, "Well, no, I'm better than this," and I'm like, "No, man, you look like a fucking bu- bu- you look like a bucket of eaten chicken. This is the best you're gonna get, and it's creative. And man, we could have done great things. Maybe someday we'll revisit this. Okay, yeah. suspension of disbelief. If you hear me saying this and you see an orphan stable pop up, because yeah. I think it's a great idea, but it just it wasn't working at this point. We needed to write the ship with Depression, Strangler, Red Scare, because they had just run aground after the whole Honky Kong fiasco. Never really picked steam back up. Uh, but we did, you know, we did what we could here. Uh, and this was this was a fun match with some fun comedy stuff. Yeah. So we, we go from that into another uh, six-man tag. Uh, this is Moonshine, Reigns, and Dell taking on Carson, Barrett Brown, and their surprise partner. Uh, that guy, Scotty Santiago. Yeah. So we tie Scotty back into the history with Carson Moonshine and Reigns. Yeah, and this is a sick match. Yeah. This is a this is this is a good match. However, there were problems. Yeah. Behind the scenes, do I talk about that? Does that piss people off? Like. I mean, we talked about everything else. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna go into this because uh, I was a big Scotty fan. Um, Scotty's a guy that is he's in exceedingly bright um, perhaps too much so sometimes he's a thinker yeah he's a thinker uh, and it was at this point uh, around this time that I, uh, uh, Mantell and Reigns told me that they didn't enjoy working with him because he was uncooperative in the ring uh, that is what I was told and I caught a lot of shit because of not uh, basically there was this uh, uh, Dunbar at some point told me that he hated me because he didn't like how I was booking the Finaki students yeah this was a big part of it but the thing is is that I didn't just unceremoniously stop using Scotty 
I was told that there were people that didn't want to work with him any longer, and even Barrett said things about not really enjoying working with him. Yeah. This was to me. I don't know how much of a lie it was. I don't, you know, and I'm yeah. not fabricating this. This is what I was told. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of pump the brakes on Scotty because I, I wanted to do something good with him. Yeah. But I couldn't really do with with this group of people well, that didn't want to work yeah. with him. So like these people were complaining and kvetching about how he was not following their lead in the ring yeah. and he was being difficult about, you know, putting matches together and so I didn't want to continue to make these people unhappy and I didn't want to cause I didn't I didn't want friction to erupt. Yeah. So I removed Scotty from the roster for a little bit around this point because people were saying that they were unhappy. Nevertheless, this stuff read from a fan perspective as being pretty fucking good. Yeah, it all ties together. Yeah. So I was I'll do my little devil's advocate thing here. Um this is about the this is the time before Scotty moved down to Mexico and basically moved to Mexico, lived in basically poverty from my understanding and learned lucha. Um and he kind of returned a different person. Yeah. So um I I, I got to say right off the bat here, um, when we come back, I'm 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 throwing everything at Scotty because yeah. I am so high on him and I love him as a human being and I think yeah. that that guy is superlative, superlatively talented. I think he has the, the the metal and the meat to be someone on an independent level that is huge. I yeah. think that that guy has tremendous upside and I could see that guy getting signed. Yeah, if you look at him. He works his ass off on his body. He, he, he never looks bad. Yeah. Um. He tech. He's he's done the homework. He like he he knows his technical skill. Great sense of humor. Yeah. Humility. Yeah. And he he's very intelligent. Yeah. Right. It's just it's that little spark that's going to yeah. set it. Yeah. And I look off. forward to doing things that make him really like just shine. Yeah. You know, like dude, I want to have great moments with that guy, and I think that he's capable of them. And I just want this fucking disease to go. The hell no shit. So, wait, we can, wait. so we can do some great shit again. W- but. W- with that guy? Yeah, that yeah, guy. Okay. okay. All right. I'm going to let you take the reins for this one. Oh, man. So we had done Angelus Lane versus Doom, and it was good. And we had done Craven versus Jessica, and it was my favorite women's match up to that point. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put the two monsters together, Craven and, and Lane. And they're going to wrestle Doom and Jessica. This kind of continues both feuds. Um, at this point, we know Jessica's going to be our second women's champion. Too. Yeah. So. Um, we really need someone who's actually local to carry the title. Yeah. So this this match this match did not go as well as the singles matches. This match actually did not go very well at all. No. And I, I think all four women were pretty disappointed with it. Um. Doom legitimately injures her shoulder or her elbow in this match, um, which causes some some chaos and some, you know, as unplanned injuries do. Mm -hmm. Um, So just not what we were expecting. You know, we had two really good singles matches. You know, sometimes one plus one doesn't always equal three. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, if I had booked this and this is what I actually pitched and wanted to do at the time, and I was told no, and also told that there was just no space on the card for it, but I really wanted, I really wanted to do Jessica and Doom, and I wanted to do Angelus and, and Vanessa as singles matches because I thought that they both could have worked that way. I didn't yeah. think they, I didn't think it needed to be a tag, but it made sense, I guess, for the space and the amount of time. That yeah, they had we, for the we card. were. I think we were but, crunching, but <clears throat> that's another reason that it was so. Yeah, inflated but in even an, but even like Angelus and Jessica could have been a great match, and like Doom and Craven singles could have been a good match, I and mean, they could have been character building. But this was just a little too raw, light yeah. for me. Um, and yeah, it just it it felt kind of muddy. Yeah, my my thought was you know a a Joshi tag, and yeah, that's not quite what we got. So. <laughs> Uh, a funny thing happens between the last show and this show. Oh God! So I don't even know if I have the energy to talk yeah, about this. So this, uh, he, we did the best with what we had. Yeah. So Athena takes a little trip to Orlando for a tryout, and I was up in Dallas, and I was scheduled to have lunch with Athena to discuss something important. 
Um, and I, I knew that she had just had her tryout. Um, but she was, she was exhausted from the trial and was like, I think Palmer was like, Hey, she, she's just sleeping. She's not, um, she'll give you a call. So on the way home, you know, and, um, I'm, I'm concerned that maybe she's exhausted because things didn't go well. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm like, ah, damn that, you know, fuck. That's kind of what I'm, you know, always the pessimist. Get prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Right. So she calls, (laughs) um, that's not the case. They love her mm-hmm. and they're, well, fuck, I can say it now. Yeah, <laughs> Spo- spoiler alert. This is a happy story. Um, she has been offered a, a contract mm-hmm. with, uh, the Connecticut, uh, territory, right? What, yeah. The New York territory. Um, Just say WWE asshole. Come uh, on, man. Yeah. WWE. Yeah, I shit. like being kind of, but we yeah. don't need to be, yeah, I like Come it. On. I enjoy it. I'm a carny. Yeah. So, unfortunately, <laughs> there's some things that she has to follow before she can get to Orlando and start working at the Performance Center. And one of those is that she is not allowed to partake in any intergender, like, um, violence or interaction. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Which we have just booked uh, a very violent intergender interaction and match with her and Franco. Yeah. Um... At the same time this is going on, uh, I think it was like a job or something Palmer was going to not be able to be in town for. Yeah. Whatever it was, you never know with Palmer, has fallen through. And now he's ready to work. Yeah, he's <laughs> just a mystery man. He's always like doing, he's like always like, always got some weird, fun, he's like either like, 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 like in gun battles over <laughs> cryptocurrency or working as a chase teller or something fucking weird yeah. I don't know I don't I don't really dig because you know Matt's Matt yeah. I love I, Matt is one of my favorite people to talk to by the way yeah I can't um, I can't even get into half the weird jobs he has had um since I've known him yeah but anyway we can't do Athena versus Frank even though we've been pushing yes and uh yeah but we have to we have to we have to protect Athena yeah just for the sake of this once in a lifetime opportunity. Like, like we would love to go look toots. I, I know, like you want to work there, but we really need you to show up here and starve for the yeah. next fucking five well, years. Like the, the, yeah, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, we're not that selfish. Yeah. I mean, we understand, you know, that we are the incubator, and we can only hope that our people move on to yeah. grander things. And that's why we're there. We're not there to deprive anybody of larger opportunities. And we certainly had no delusion that our company is a speck of shit and a cup of coffee. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Um, anyway. So what we what we come up with, and bear in mind, we didn't have a whole lot of time to plan this. No. So we did the best we could to make this make as much sense as it could. And I think all things considered, we got as close as you could in this amount of time it's with this fucking, amount of shit. You know, bat, bottom line, this yeah. was fucking awesome. This this was awesome. The, the follow-up gets a little convoluted, but we fix it. Yeah. So let's focus on the awesome first. So Athena comes out in full full garb, face covered. Yep, starts to cut a promo. Uh, at the end of the promo, Athena walks out from the apron, and Athena in the ring disrobes to be Matthew Palmer. Franco and Matthew Palmer go at it. Uh, they brawl all over the building. Huge pop, crazy pop, crazy pop. Um, you got to understand that when Matt came out, he was like a hold Athena. On. Palmer, stop listening because Palmer never believes that he's ever gotten a pop in his okay. life. So. Palmer, if you're listening, okay. don't listen to that. We'll continue. Palmer, when Palmer came out, he nailed the female Athena body language, the walk. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Athena's entrance gear covered her face. Yep. So, you know, when Matt came out dressed as Athena in Athena's gear with his face covered and he did the walk, he had the body movements down. It looked like Athena. And, of course, Athena had the mic and she was talking into the mic as Matt was talking, you know, as her, so it really did appear that Athena was there, uh, about to come into the ring and, and fight. Yep. But it was Matt in disguise, and yeah, the roof came off the joint, man. Yeah, 
It was, they it went was, nuts. It was a great moment. Yeah, so they brawl for a little bit, and I think, I mean, it's it's more of an angle than it is a match, right? Yeah, it's they, not really they brawl a match. and they brawl out of the building. Uh-huh. Okay, it was great. It's a great moment. Yeah, so we follow up with the Keith promo, and Keith's issue here is basically like all these people want to challenge, call me out for this belt. So Angelus Lane has has um, called him out earlier in the night. Vega has called him out. So he's basically out going, this is supposed to be the pure prestige title, and I just have all these hooligans, you know, putting my name in their mouth, basically. And at this moment, um, Showtime Scott Summers rolls in the ring from the crowd. Now, the last time we had booked Showtime is when he, you know, did not make Battle Wars. Nope. So um, Showtime rolls in the ring and basically says, you never beat me for that belt, and that's that's my belt because you know it's sort of lineage wise is it came from the the, the world rene- class belt a, he was yeah, carrying it was, world, it was a world class belt that he had when it was a renegade belt and yeah. once it was legitimized in that three way but you yeah, know it but, didn't Scott wasn't able to make the booking which is yeah. interesting because there's another man in the building <laughs> that made that night very <laughs> awkward. <laughs> I mean, when um, when did he not? But um, more so this time because yeah, you yes. Know. So um, yeah. So behind. So here we go. We're basically setting up Keith and and Scott uh, behind the schemes. Behind the schemes. Behind the scenes, we have uh, worked stuff out with Scott. We're we're ready to bring him back in, and we feel like him and Keith could be a really big match. Yeah. Um, at the show, Scott and Teddy work out their differences question mark um i guess we we have a really weird promo that's never made air with these two that's just just strange yeah it it is a taste of what i really thought that we could get out of them but i think at this point too i was very wary of teddy and the thing that you we've talked about this there was there was an allegation of rape levied against teddy yes at this point at this point and i caught a lot of shit for this but I'm I'm gonna go and do it right here yep. if, if you have no problem. Fuck it, he said. Yeah, at okay. this point, put his shit out there. So when Teddy came down here to work with Byron Wilcott uh, and do some shows in Louisiana, I believe um, Teddy also had residence <clears throat> in Canada, and he has for a long time been quote unquote married to two women, sister wives, I believe. Uh, and they have oftentimes had a tumultuous relationship and when things were not going well they would make criminal accusations toward him but then drop them okay so this uh, to the best of my knowledge was serialistically something that would happen like Teddy would do something to piss them off and they would accuse him of something really really wretched and then they would patch it up and they you know they would stop. They, they would stop their fuss and then feud and then go back to training cute little cats, you know? <laughs> so, it is my understanding that Teddy comes down here, shacks up with Machiko, uh, and then when the sister wives get wind of this, they lose it, burn all his gear, and make, uh, and, and make a statement that Teddy had raped them or something. And... Um, of course, this is problematic. At the same time, we've also signed, we contractually were obligated to work with Teddy. And at this point, I am called by the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not laughing at the allegation. I'm just laughing at the absurdity of having to deal with Teddy and uh, talking to the FBI. But, you know, the allegations are weird because the, 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 the allegation occurs after Teddy is in the U.S. He's not yeah. in Canada, so they say that he did X, Y, Z, but he was in—he was pretty much stranded in the U.S. at this yeah. point. So there's no way that he was like the basic. Basically, I had to make a statement about where Teddy was to the FBI <laughs> <laughs> at this point in time, without really even understanding the full scope of what was going on. Yeah. Like I really didn't understand at that point. I like a lot of the the picture I can give you about the. Uh, uh, what what actually occurred? I only knew later on, but this is our second of three appearances that we were contractually obligated to with Teddy. 
And I, yeah, had to give a statement to the FBI, and they gave me a little bit of insight and said, Teddy's been accused of doing this, but so far it doesn't look like he had left, like, the U.S. Like, he seems to be trapped here. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It was was a very messy situation. Anyway, we're going into the triple threat match, I presume, at this point. We have to. There's no other place to go, right? So, speaking of being trapped in the situation, (laughs) so, uh, this is Jojo Bravo, and, uh, El Mariachi Loco. Who is of Lucha Underground fame, yeah, who is a yeah. big, uh, Brandon Stroud is a big fan of. Yeah. And demands that we bring in. Yep. Um, and Teddy Hart. Yeah. So they, the match is what it is. The match is not horrible. It's a pretty good match, actually. It's, but in the words of one Jojo Bravo, as I get to the back, I just don't understand this. Nothing we talked about back here happened in that match. <laughs> a lot of things happened, but none of them were what we talked about. Why did this happen, Biss? Why did this happen? JoJo's one of the easiest people <laughs> ever to deal with. Yeah. So when JoJo comes back and goes, what the fuck was that? You know this. So, so there were there were plans to do more with Teddy and JoJo. Yeah. Right? So I literally, I come from this conversation. I'm like, oh, God, I can't put this sweet, no. sweet, sweet man in the ring with no. Teddy Hart ever again. So I come up to Max. I'm like, dude, we can't put JoJo in the ring with Teddy Hart. That's just the first thing I say. And you're like, what the fuck? What do you mean? I'm like, bro, he's like broken. Like, he does not understand what Teddy just did to him. And basically... Teddy called a match and then went out and called a match in the ring. That was Teddy just doing all Teddy's cool shit, you know. Stop me when you've heard this one before, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so this was the... Not only do we have the FBI calling Max about Teddy Hart, not only do we have the weird shit, but this is the start of, oh, Teddy Hart. Right? Yeah. And this is so. also... this is also. <laughs> oh, man. Teddy... At this point, too, Teddy is, Teddy is telling me like all kinds of great stories backstage about his defunct genitalia and also i think at one point i'm sitting there listening to him talk about (laughs) some of the most absurd advice i hear him giving somebody he's talking about that if you hire a prostitute you need to have a chlorinated pool because it kills all the shit like, and you need to have sex with the prostitute in the chlorinated pool. Because chlorine, bro, is the shit. It cures it all. It kills it all. Oh, my like, God. I'm just, like, Teddy is just like, he is an enigmatic, enigmatic human being. Um, problematic at this point. Uh, but he is he is legendary, man. Is this also... This was the show where... Um was was he, Masada with Teddy here? I think so. Okay. At some point. That yes. is a, that is a, yes. that is a deadly this recipe. Is, Masada comes up with him at this show. Yeah. Because this is the show where after the show, he walks up to me as I'm speaking to Deb with a joint lit behind his ear. <laughs> and I go, I'm I'm just like me and you were talking to Deb and I'm just like, "Oh my god, Teddy, let's come over here." Yes. Right? <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh but yeah, I was there, I think, in the parking lot when Scott and <laughs> Scott Scott Summers and Teddy Hart are having their beef moderated by fucking Masada. Yes. Which is one of the most surreal, like, thing. it was surreal. Yeah. I can't, I can't describe it as any other way, but, like, they got past their shit and yeah. they walked off hugging. You Bro, know? Yeah. Like, so, I think this was also the show where Teddy brought me off to the corner and said... You know, I've never had a match with Brigham. I've known him since Ring of Honor. I'd love to have a, a match with him, mm-hmm. um, which we'll come back later on. Yes. Um, so we go from that into a promo that I, I'm going to take a, a eh, it's not necessarily a victory lap, but I think I think that Franco and Palmer underestimated my standing with the crowd. Yeah. So we had to get we had to get Palmer back in the company, Um, and they decided that Franco was going to intimidate me into putting Palmer back in, and I had some reservations about this. But I thought if we did it a certain way, 
it would it would work if it was like jovial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> instead, I got humiliated, <laughs> which you know, not like I actually got humiliated in Man, character. Yeah, I got yeah, humiliated. Don't be a baby. It worked out great. Yeah, it was but, it was amazing. But the reaction to the promo was not what they were expecting. No, no. So Franco grabs me, and um, I I tripped as he's grabbing me. So, but as I watch this back, he does violently grab. Dude, it's, he, yeah. was, he was not ginger with you. No. So, like, it may have influenced me tripping. So now it looks like he's just fucking. And then I trip and he gets mad. And he's like, get the fuck up. Right. So he's literally bullying me at this point. Um, he gets me in the ring, says, I want Palmer back right now. I, I as my character, that, that's not how I would do it. Right. So finally he grabs me by the throat. And I'm like, whatever it takes, you know. Palmer's back. Palmer's back. Yeah. So at this point, Biss screams, okay, he's reinstated. Palmer runs out like he's bucked up. They're ready to fucking tear each other apart. Franco is like ready to go. He's pissed off about being duped earlier and they're about to clash. And instead, Palmer just runs across the ring and jumps into Franco's arms and they celebrate. They've duped the company. It's a little heelish. Big hug. Yes. Very heelish. Yeah. Very heel. Which was not what... I don't think that they were expecting it to be heelish. Yeah. Like, if you remember, like, Palmer was taken aback by the crowd reaction. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, it was mixed. It wasn't necessarily... Yeah. I think I think the fact that, yeah, Franco, Franco did what he did to you yeah. put I, them off. I think their thought process was that I'm just this figurehead to the company. There's no attachment to me. I'm just, I'm zero. I'm yeah, but, middle of the road, but right? But people were mad that, that Franco did what he did yeah. to you, but I still think there was still a huge segment of the crowd that went, oh, I did not anticipate yeah. that that was great. There was still a, a jubilant yeah. response to uh, you doing this. It was a great swerve. It was a great moment. There were a lot of people who were laughing. There were a lot of people, but there were then there was a segment that was like, that's fucked yeah. up. You don't it, do that to people. Yeah, it was like you know? it was fifty-fifty more than a, a universal response. Yeah, right? but it was still it was still yeah. good. It was, and a lot of people after the event went bravo. That was really good. Yeah. I didn't expect that, and that's honestly the best thing that you can hear from your fans is I didn't see that coming. Yeah. So it was a great moment. Yeah. Moving right along. Yes. So now we have match that was built up to last show. We have Hoyt versus Rowe. And this was a weird match. This like the, even the setup for it was just to me it was weird. To me, yeah. this was like one of those instances where two guys really want to have a match together, and we kind of I mean it, yeah it was more like I don't know. And, and we tie the Stroud stuff into it, right? Yeah. So at the finish of this match, Hoyt goes over, and he goes over because Stroud attempts to interfere and cost Hoyt the match. Um. Which leads to, in hindsight, a really funny promo. This is well. This is definitely. This was actually my idea too. Yeah. So this is where Ro because have we talked about what we wanted to do with Stroud? Yeah. We haven't, but do you want me? I to think this it? is the time to right. Okay, so uh, I had this idea where eventually what would happen was Hoyt would have Stroud removed from the building because of his deliberate interference in multiple matches, and he would not be allowed to announce, uh, and we would bring in another announcer, and Stroud would kind of go rogue for a little bit. He would, like, still show up to the shows, but interfere in matches, and we'd have another, we'd have another announcer. And we went through numerous... I think, I think we talked about Mike Weeby from the Riverboat Gamblers, and we talked about uh, Lisa Friedrich... We talked about several different replacements because ultimately my idea was that Hoyt was going to have a match with uh, with down the line with with the uh, with another inspired champion, and Stroud would run in and interfere, and Hoyt would win, and then Stroud would jump into Hoyt's arms and they would celebrate, yeah. and. Stroud was going to become a monster heel manager. Just, I thought that that would be incredible. And uh, that's what we were building toward yeah. here. There was going to be a moment where, Str- where, where where Hoyt beat the champion with Stroud's seemingly unintentional help, 
but then it would just turn into just Stroud going completely heel. And this was supposed to be the seedling where Stroud cost somebody a match, and we'd learn eventually that Stroud and Hoyt were in cahoots for yeah. a little bit. And I thought that this was really the role that Stroud was born to play because yeah. he, he is so good at being patronizing so good at being nasty yeah. there's something i mean i think at this point we know there's something yeah. really dark about the guy and i thought that this would be great now yeah. what occurred here was that brandon began to push back and this is this people keep going like bro when did you get rid of him when did you just decide <laughs> trust me guys we're getting there it's getting okay? real we're close. getting there it's, it's real fucking close and this is this is we're we're almost there but what Stroud decided was that he did not want to play the role assigned to him in the company because he said it would have a detrimental impact to his Uproxx persona, yeah. which is too beloved. <laughs> Just too be- I can't be a heel, yeah. guys. I can't, you know. I mean, he's no bis. Yeah. No, but still, <laughs> it's like, at the time, we didn't know all this bad stuff, all these things, but now here we are, and... Um, it's just funny. Like I can't play a heel, guys. Yeah. I, you know what? I won't do it. Yeah. But if you really think about what would have happened, you know, yeah. with how the crowd would have responded to that, and how huge, like how meteoric that would have been. I mean, that would have been a great turn. And it, you know, another thing was that I, I really felt like Brandon was anxious to. He was very anxious to be in a role that really reflected him and let him do more stuff. I mean, yeah. oftentimes he made himself the center of everything at the show. It really felt yes. like it was his show. That's what I really loved about Richard Whitaker, who eventually came on after Brandon left. I liked Whitaker because he was functional. He helped frame everything. But it wasn't about him. He still had funny moments, still had fun moments. The crowd liked him. Yeah. But Stroud really made shit about himself. And at this point, like, I couldn't believe that yeah. he, he just rejected creative. And I'm like, part of me wanted to be like, you do what I tell you to do or you don't do it. Yeah. I was still having just so many problems with just people listening to me at this point. So for me, a lot of times after the match or between matches is when I'm in the back either checking on people to make sure they're okay or that's my time to go get notes back right i'm not watching what's going on in the ring during i usually miss entrances and finishes unless it's a pivotal thing that i want to see the reaction see how the crowd crowd reacts to something so what's funny and like watching back now i understand your frustration because i'll watch and i'll see the transitions between matches and the little comments that he's making i'm like you just buried everything we did what the fuck are you doing I mean, there's nothing I can do about it now, but it just makes my blood boil sometimes. So, um, yeah, there. I mean, there was one particular show where I messaged you and I was like, what the fuck? Like, he just buried the whole segment. It's uh-huh. from five years ago, but it's the first time I've seen him, the whole comment. Mm-hmm. And what the fuck were you thinking? I wish I had heard that live. Yeah. That's why a lot of people didn't like him. Yeah. Anyway. So. We uh, we move on to Leva versus Veda. This is Veda's first defense. Uh, Leva's still riding the blue pants. Um, Mania. Yeah, just not not uh, what I really. If I could do it, it over made, again, it, it made some people happy. Yeah, but it was it was it was what those people wanted. Yeah, that sounds really horrible. Those people. Yeah, you know, but I mean, you know. There are some people that will ride or die for women's wrestling, and I don't necessarily think that they are as virtuously into the wrestling aspect of yeah. something. They will only they will they will they they pay attention to women's wrestling in bad ways. I think. Yeah. And there were definitely there were I mean they definitely bought tickets and they definitely came to the show, but I don't think it was. They know, didn't come next show, right? No, they didn't. That's so the I issue with I don't that. I really care, you know. Like right. they they were there they were there for something very specific and they got it and they were gone and we feel dirty now yeah (laughs) um just no you know yeah it yeah it is it is what it is yup some men you just can't teach um so we go from that into an absolutely fire ricky starks promo 
And this really, Ricky Starks is now the number one contender. Um, I think he wasn't booked on the show, but he just showed up because he, he wanted to be there. So we yeah. kind of gave him this space, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, I mean, I, I felt like if you were if you were going to be there, you yeah. know. There were also times where we didn't think he was going to be there, but then Ricky has this way of telling us, oh, I'm not going to do this, and then he would just show up. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, so um, amazing promo really sets up... <laughs> Unfortunately, again, we kind of cut Steve's knees out here. He sets up an amazing match with Dalton or Steve if Steve wins. You know, like, it's yeah. one of those moments where he knows what the outcome of the main is and he he knows what the match he needs to promote is, so he promotes that match. But in doing so, you kind of, again, we're cutting Steve's knees out here. Well, kind bit. of, but also the promo works for me because it really builds on the history between Starks and Dalton. So yeah. he would fixate on Dalton more just because he has experience with him and, and he hates him. Yeah. Their characters hate there, each other. At this point, there's so, no hatred between there's, Steve yeah, there's and, nothing, and Starks. There's, there's no friction, no nothing yeah. between Steve and Ricky. And I think he kind of, he addresses Steve-O, but it's still kind of like, yeah, whatever, but this guy, I fucking hate this guy. So the promo to me wasn't dismissive, and I don't think it telegraphed anything. I think it works for what it's supposed to be. Yeah, at least no friction character-wise right Uh, now. Yeah. (laughs) That's a whole other podcast. Yes, Um, really. (laughs) This is his podcast, it's just not yet. Yeah. Um, So... I mean, no. Even at this point, there's there's the trip to St. Louis where those two. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. When did we talk? Do we talk about that? I don't think we. I, that's not our ours to talk about. But oh, okay. we just kind of did. So if you pick up the bread, breadcrumbs, you picked up the breadcrumbs. Okay. If you here, here's the crossover, right? If you listen to the St. Louis Anarchy podcast and you piece that together with what I just said, you can get a juicy story out of that. But All right. I want to make you do it that way. Um. Then we go into the main event, which is Dalton and Steve. And Steve and Dalton, there's a natural chemistry. There's a natural tension. There's a natural, you know, rivalry. There's a lot of stuff to unpack here. This felt big. Yeah. This did feel big. And I feel like a lot of people thought that Steve was going to yeah. Steve was gonna go over. That's another thing is like when you create not only a sense of anticipation, but just a sense of wonder where somebody doesn't exactly know where you're gonna turn i i i dug this i dug the crowd reaction to it but is is there a but for you here no okay no there's no there's no but um andy dalton goes over and then the return that has been in the workings for quite a while happens um sammy guevara Shows up and attacks Steve Arino and destroys his J crown. God damn, this was such a good moment. <laughs> this was the and the crowd lost it. There mm-hmm. were people who were livid. Yep. There were people. There were people who were excited. The crowd just the crowd really and truly lost it. I know that we were like we were kind of like sitting in the back, like rubbing our hands together, going, "Oh man, yeah. this is gonna be good." Because Steve has history, of course, and I think the stable name was just Dirty. Oh, I'm sure they had some some sort of. There was probably some sort of innuendo name, <laughs> knowing Dalton. Well, yeah, of course, yeah. but I think it was just dirty. Was it just dirty? I think it was just dirty. The faction was yeah. called Dirty, and it was it was Angeles, Sammy, Dalton, Storm, and Vega. Yeah, that was that was the faction, and goddamn, what a great stable! Even yeah. you have to admit, even though it wasn't complete for very long, yeah, it was a great. Stable, yeah. and that moment with them in the ring over Steve got Steve a lot of sympathy, mm-hmm. and, and and it of course set up some stuff with Sammy yeah. and Steve, which was naturally already there. You know, yeah. to to me, this is kind of the peak of what I would call the run that is why Steve's called Mister Inspire Pro now, right? Yeah, uh, if, if you ask me. So, some background story on Sammy coming back. Right, um, we stayed in contact with Sammy. You know, we if you go go back and listen to um, some of the older podcasts, you'll see why he's no longer with the company. If you don't know already, why why don't you? Yeah. Um, but we had we had kept in contact, and there was a show where he wrestled Davy Richards, um, and he so he was mentored by Lance Romance, who is somebody that has um, 
and in some ways mentored me and been a, a good friend Great and guy. somebody that I've bounced stuff off of over the years. Yes, sir. Um, so he had a show and he brought me up because he wanted to do an angle with Sammy. Um, so it was kind of, <laughs> it became kind of the test wheels to go, okay, let's see how he's doing. Um, and everything went well. Mm-hmm. So, um, he beat the shit out of me. <laughs> Everything went well. He beat the shit out of me. Uh, he beat the shit out of me. Davey Richards and Tony Kazina came and saved the day, which is one of my weirdest wrestling moments is being like on the ground, all curled up. And here comes Davey Richards, like upside down. Cause I'm facing the wrong way <laughs> with a chair. And Tony, the wheel man's right behind him. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, I think I think a bigger part of the problem too is just how we were a little concerned with how he'd be received in the locker room. Yeah. And honestly, I think Keith Lee was that was the biggest one. The right? biggest one that we really had to go 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 to Keith. Like, look, he's young. He's yeah. going to make mistakes, and we can make this a learning moment for him, or we can just cast him out. Yeah. And I think that him. I mean, he's got ability. He's going to make mistakes, and I think we should. So long as he realizes that he made mistakes, like yeah, you know. And and I've always been the second chance guy, and, and third mean, and fourth, you know. Obviously, Sammy still makes mistakes. I think yeah. he's just going to be prone to make mistakes all his life. I hope that that they are fewer and, and further between. Yeah. Uh, but man, that was a that was a hot finish that set up some great stuff. Um, yeah. And of course, here I am <laughs> after the finish of the show, yeah. dead sober <laughs> and high as fuck on bleach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah man we're um this is this was a this was a weird show that I'm very yeah. fond of even though it it uh you know it nearly broke us and <laughs> I had to talk to the FBI beforehand <laughs> and all this shit it was wrestling is strange yeah so this <laughs> this leads us into um a show title that was almost Legit, right? Yeah. This leads us into Fade to Black. Now, yeah. Fade to Black was not just a creative title. We, there was potential that TV was going off. Yeah. You know, so. But somehow we managed to pull pull it out. I, I don't know. I think I was really cheerleading this at this po- moment. I think because I was going sober and because I was dealing with disease and because I, I you know, was about to have my, like, I think my first child was. Right around the corner. Yeah. Fox Meehan was right around the corner. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think I think he was born like shortly after the show. Yeah, I think a week after the show, maybe. I think one of the things that I can I can say is uh, it was really important that Inspire not die because of how much I already loved my child. Yeah. As weird as it sounds, I had really strong visions of Fox being around weird oily people <laughs> and running around rings and bouncing off ropes and yeah. knowing that this was this weird thing about his dad that his dad did yeah and i you know it was a part of it was a part of my character um that i really wanted him to know and i really wanted him to appreciate and i think for a long time i pushed for the company to survive because i really wanted fox to enjoy it and um you know he wasn't he wasn't around yet, but I knew he would be. Yeah. And I think that was really for me one of the defining uh, motivators for going forward. A lot of the time, you know, I yeah. was really proud of what we did, and I wanted him to be proud of his dad. And uh, that's it sounds sappy, but it's true. There's there's two of my favorite Inspire moments that involve Fox that we'll get into obviously oh, going forward. So you want them? You want them now? Yeah. So, one of them is when we were reviewing the Red Oak Ballroom and uh, walking through, and Fox just running around like a madman screaming. Mm. And you posted a picture that said, Fox testing out the uh, acoustics. acoustics of the new arena. That one's always yeah. kind of stuck with me because it was here, you know, we're looking at this building, it's this big decision, and here he is right with us, right? Yeah. And one of my top moments, maybe my, my top, is picking up uh, Eddie Kingston to, yeah. to take him to the airport and walking in your house, and there's Eddie, hands and knees, playing with Fox on the ground. Here's Eddie Kingston, the fucking last of a dying breed, bun- bundle up, the world's a cold place, just... Playing. beaming playing with Fox. baby fox yeah. yeah yeah that was that's a great moment that's yeah. I, I really fell in love with eddie that weekend actually he's he's, he's an amazing uh 
amazing human being. And it's so, so assuring right now at this point in time to hear about wrestlers being great people. Yeah. And that he's a great person yeah. too. But Fox, Fox, I mean, Inspire exists largely or continue to exist largely because I wanted my children to have this thing in their lives. Anyway, um, may it continue for much longer. May it may it be something that uh, rings through his memory and, and Scout as well, though he was much much further down the line. Anyway, thanks for joining us for this edition of Inspire AD, and we'll see you or you'll hear us <laughs> next week. Bye.